Pistons fans from around the great state of Michigan, it's time to get out of your seat, get on your feet, and meet the Ballers, your four new Detroit Pistons. At number seven overall, he's the Frenchman. Make sure you pass the fries, cause we got our guys, six foot five lefty, Killian Hayes. At number 16 overall, it's the big man. This isn't family guy, but we got our Stewie. There's been one great Isaiah, how about we make it Tui? From Washington, Isaiah Stewart. At number 19, the wing with the sweet stroke. He'll give you the okie doke. He's clutch, he don't choke. Someone call Hurricane Chris. Hey, baby, it's the wing from Nova, Sadiq Bay. And last but not least, number 38 overall, the Commodore. Do you want more? You will soon adore this athletic freak from Vanderbilt, Saban Lee. All right, anybody else feeling that? Anybody else get that nostalgia? Just waft over you? They're coming back. They are coming back. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Michigan State of Sports, where you know it's not going very well, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. As always, I'm your host, Tony Garcia, and I am so glad to say that that tagline is not as true as it was 24 hours ago. Because for the first time in a long time, and I do mean a long time, it feels like the Detroit Pistons have competent people making decisions. <sighs> that feels good. Last night was the NBA draft, and no team in the entire league was more active than our very own Detroit Pistons. This beautiful human, Troy Weaver, the new Pistons general manager who they got from the Thunder just a few months back was pedal to the metal, full throttle. And that's what we're going to be today. That's what I'm going to be today talking about Detroit, the Pistons. I mean, he slashed this team. He gutted it. He just got, he, he just took out the trash. He took out Stan Van Gundy's trash. He got rid of everything he could, and he's doing this from the ground up. And damn it. Whether or not it works, and of course we all hope it does, isn't this what we wanted to see on Wednesday night? No more of this bland, vanilla, play it safe with a guy who can be good defensively. No more milk toast draft picks like Greg Monroe or Jason Maxiel, whose upside was never even all-star caliber. I don't know if this is going to work, because honestly nobody does. But damn it, we just did it. We just accepted our fate and there is now intrigue again in the Detroit Pistons or can be. There is room to have interest in them and that hasn't been true for a dozen years. We're rebuilding this thing but unlike the pain we've gone through the last decade where there was no hope, there's going to be pain 
in the sense of not winning games, but there's going to be a direction. We will have young players to get excited about. There are a number of moves we need to get into, and we're going to discuss each of the Pistons' four draft picks. Killian Hayes, the French point guard from who played in Germany at number seven overall. Isaiah Stewart, the center out of Washington at number 16. Sadiq Bey, the 3 and D wing from Villanova. And Sabin Lee, the combo guard from Vanderbilt. We got to get into all the trades because Detroit was only supposed to have one pick coming in, and they drafted four players. I mean, they sent away Luke Kennard, which was the biggest of the bunch in a three-way deal for number 19 and Rodney Magruder. They acquired Trevor Ariza and number 16 an hour before the draft started for a very heavily protected future first-round pick. They sent Bruce Brown to the Nets for for Zanin Musa and and a second rounder next year. I mean, there were there was moves all over the board. And so that was a lot to to get into so quickly. But I'm gonna try to break down each move, what I feel like went well, what I might have some reservations about. But honestly, overall my feeling is finally, finally I just wanted Weaver to be bold. I wanted him to put his stamp on this franchise and getting rid of old players, Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, grabbing a vet like Ariza, drafting all over the board for upside and future potential. I mean, yeah, there's a few moves I would have liked to have seen done differently, but overall, I am so pleased. I am so, so pleased, and I have not been able to say that following a Pistons draft in my lifetime. I mean, Grant Hill was the last star the Pistons drafted, and that was in 94. I was one year old. I don't remember that. The last decent player, like truly, truly NBA decent, like, oh, we everybody should want that guy, was Tayshaun Prince in 02. So it's been a long time coming. So with all of that said, let's get into it. And let's meet our first guy, the guy of this draft. Have no question about that. Killian Hayes. I have wanted Killian Hayes since I knew we were drafting number seven. So I could personally couldn't be happier. I know there's some people in the media thinking Tyrese Halliburton should have been the pick here. I'm not one of them. But Killian Hayes, six foot five, 19 year old who has been playing professionally for three years in Germany, one of the top pick and roll guards in the entire draft. And I mean, it's comp season. So you always hear people comparing these young players to their counterparts in the NBA. And of course, you're going to get outlandish, ridiculous comparisons. Like a few years back when I think it was Seth Greenberg who said Mo Bamba had some Anthony Davis in his game. Like that, That's just preposterous. But, but the comparison being made here at large because Killian Hayes is a lefty, I've heard two. I've heard Manu Ginobili and I've heard Goran Dragic. And honestly, sign me the F up for that right now. I mean, Hayes can score in a multitude of ways. He can get to the rim. He can absorb contact because of his size. His floater before he gets to the rim, one of his signature shots, like 10 feet, 7, 10, 12 feet. I mean, that's, I mean he, he's money with that shot. He's super patient. And no, he's not going to wow you with, with your athleticism. But he sort of has that rope-a-dope that can just lull you to sleep just enough to make your move. He's got that. I saw a stat from friend of the podcast, James Edwards, that he made nearly 59% 
of his shots at the basket in a half-court set. That is unbelievable efficiency, especially considering that's not taking his fast-break game into consideration when you make the highest percentage of your looks at the bucket. And this guy has great body control. He has phenomenal footwork. And on defense, you're going to hear a lot about this with all of our draft picks. He's got a 6'8 wingspan. And that is a huge asset defensively. And I think he could develop into an above-average NBA defender. I do. He averaged just about 13 points and 6 assists last year. And, I mean, that there was just there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. He's young. He's 19. He's raw. The Pistons aren't going out winning 40, 50 games next year. Hopefully they win like 20 or 25. So they can have an, another shot at a top eight pick in a loaded draft. Hopefully they win less than that. But, but there are areas that are holes for Hayes and why he was not the consensus pick to the Pistons right here. And the first and the most glaring one is his three-point shooting. There's no other way to put it. He has to improve his ability to catch and shoot. He has to even be able to improve it off the bounce, off the dribble when he has the ball. But especially when he's doing his catch and shoot. Uh, He shot less than 30% from three last year. And, I mean, that's just not going to cut it if you are a a true point guard in this league. Not just a pass-first point guard, but a dual-threat point guard. You have to be able to shoot at minimum at a 35% clip in order for anybody to to have to respect your shot so you can open up the ability to get to the bucket. And the other thing is he's not a quick twitch guy like like Kyrie or Dame or Russell just who can just blow by somebody on a, on a dribble. He's more of like a, a rangy strider. That's what you would call it in football. So he he's going to be able to create in the one-on-one a little bit but most of what he does successfully, most of his production, comes off the pick and roll. And at the NBA level, you have to be able to beat your man one-on-one, at least sometimes. But every prospect has their holes. He's 19, and he's already played, played pro ball for a few years. I mean, I love it. I'm here for it. And outside of maybe Denny Avidia, who, who I didn't expect to fall the seven, there was no one else I would have liked to pick right here. I, th- I think Killian Hayes has all the makeup to be a, a very formidable starting guard in this league for a decade plus. I mean, he's 19. He's a teenager. He's, he is young, and he has already been playing against grown men in Germany. It's, it's, it's all I wanted at seven. And, that was, and keep in mind, that was supposed to be all the Pistons were doing in this draft. Or that was all... They had, that was the only asset they had coming into the night. But, but Troy Weaver was clearly just getting started. Right before the draft, as I mentioned, he flipped a future first rounder that was extremely protected to acquire Trevor Ariza, who has one year left on his deal, right around $12 million. That's a little steep. The Pistons had to pick up the whole thing. There were reports they only had to pick up about $7 million of it. But earlier this morning, Thursday morning, as I'm Recording, I'm recording Thursday afternoon. They, it, it's reported that they had to pick up the full 12 and a half. So it's a little steeper than you'd like, but it's a one-year deal. Then he's a free agent, and and thanks for your service. But 
But the Pistons got the 16th pick this year in order for that that future first that we're talking about that is so protected. It is top 16 protected the next four years, meaning the pick stays with Detroit unless the Pistons are picking 17th overall or later. And that would mean they're in the postseason. And let me tell you, that is not happening this year, and it's probably not happening next year. And then it's top 10 protected for the two years after those four years. After those initial four are up, if the Pistons never pick 17 or higher, it moves to a top 10 protection. My guess is Detroit is probably going to pay up for this in 2023, maybe 2024, two, three years, when they finally make the playoffs again. But... Ariza, this Ariza deal is sort of equivalent to like what the Tigers did with the Jonathan Scope, CJ Crone. I mean, you have to have NBA players or MLB players on your roster other than this was a trade, not free agent signing. But he's a nice piece who wasn't going to get a lot of minutes uh, in Houston, but, but he can help change the culture. He's a vet. He's won places, and he'll be one of the better role players on this team. I mean, there's obviously no long-term plan for a 35-year-old Trevor Ariza, but if you had to absorb his contract in order to get another swing at the bat, so be it. And at 16, there were many interesting prospects still on the board. Even though they took Hayes, I wanted them to double dip with the guards and go Tyrese Maxey. I think he is unbelievably athletic, and his upside, which I thought the Pistons should be drafting on upside in a draft that has what seems like just a lot of role players, but they didn't, and they went with... I. Isaiah Stewart, the center from Washington, former five-star, who chose Washington over Michigan State, but he's ours now, so we welcome him with open arms. And what I like most about him is two things. One is his size-athletic-athleticism combination, but what everybody is talking about, and you know, you kind of worry when this is the thing people are talking about, is his motor. But, but... I mean, how long have the Pistons had a center without a motor? This is like an Andre Drummond-type player, but who actually cares. He runs the floor extremely hard and rebounds very well. He, If this was 2001, he would have been a much higher draft pick. The only question is, is how does he translate, how does his game translate to the modern-day NBA? Because... In, in this era of big men stretching the floor, can he come away from the basket at all, offensively or defensively? He only made five threes at Washington, and he, he's not exactly nimble defensively. So I had my doubts about his ability to do that on, on that end. And he played a lot with his back to the basket at Washington. And, and his inability to recognize the kickout and when to pass out of a double team was a bit alarming to me as far as a red flag. That can be learned. It can be. But just right now, you would have liked to see him doing that better. However, at Washington, he was asked to score. He was one of their two go-to scorers. So he played with his back to the basket a lot and was said, put the ball on the deck and get fouled or, or, or make a play at the rim. And so that's what he did. But as we mentioned earlier, it is the wingspan and that is one of Troy Weaver's staples that he loves in his players. And uh, seven foot four, that's some long arms. That can protect the rim. That can get into some passing lanes, that are passes that are going across the lane. Personally, this is just me. 
I don't like these types of bigs in the in the modern day NBA anymore. I want mine to be more of the Bam Adebayo mold. I mean, don't we all? But you need a little bit of versatility to your game in this era. And so I'm. This is the pick that I'm probably the most hesitant about. But that we were able to acquire someone who does have upside, and you're going to hear me say upside a lot today, because. Each of the Pistons' four picks, none of them were safe. None of them were safe picks. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good guy. A lot of these guys can be really good, really good at the NBA level. And so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this pick. I think he, he was mocked a little bit later in the first, but Troy Weaver was known to reach at OKC. Sometimes it worked. Russell Westbrook was not pegged to go four when when Weaver saw something in him, and that's turned out all right. So time will tell. But once again, my goal was, or my hope was, come in with a plan and execute it, and Weaver did. He knows a little bit more than me about the game, just a little. So I'm going to trust him with, with this evaluation of Stewart until he loses that trust, and he has done nothing to lose that trust in his first few months as GM. Because he was doing everything we had we had hoped. Gutting this team, drafting for upside, identifying who he wants, and making bold moves to get them. So I'm not mad about it. Not in the least. The next pick was the was the stunner in my eyes. I figured that the Pistons might try to get back into the second round again. Never did I think that they were going to pick again three picks later. And that was the number 19 pick that the Pistons acquired in a three-way trade from the Clippers for Luke Kennard. They also got Rodney Magruder, who is uh, is a combo guard. His cap hit is $5 million this year. But honestly, the Pistons needed to fill out the roster in general, and it's such a small hit. He's a rotational guard you hope can get 15-plus minutes. He is not the emphasis of this trade. I don't know what to expect from him, so let's move on. The Pistons got rid of Luke Kennard, who was going to be a restricted free agent next year, but was obviously not going to be a factor in the Pistons' long-term plans. And plus, it's always nice to get rid of a guy. Like when the Lions got rid of Eric Ebron, or as me and my friends like to call him, not Aaron Donald, Luke Kennard is not Donovan Mitchell. So to just sort of get that out of the organization, where every time you see them, even if they're doing well, it's not well enough because the player who was taken right after them was so much better. And when they underachieve, it's like, oh, here, here he goes again. So it was, I wish nothing but the best for Luke Kennard. He was not it for the Pistons, clearly. But I think this next guy who the Pistons did get at 19, Sadiq Bey, from, the sharpshooter from Villanova, he could be that guy for the Pistons. I mean, this guy is a professional shooter. He shot it at a 45% clip last year for Villanova on, on nearly six attempts per game. He's a career 42% three-point shooter. And, he, I mean, he's a pro's pro. He's the three and D wing that runs today's NBA. My buddy Hoon sent me a video about how he might be the most underrated prospect in this draft. And while people will say that about 15, 20 players a year, I think he might be onto something here. I do, and maybe not the most underrated. I think that's going to go to one of our boys, Cassius Winston or Xavier Tillman, because they got overlooked. 
Cassius falling to 53 is egregious. And Xavier Tillman should have been a first-round pick. I digress. But I see why people feel that Sadiq Bey was, was, is underrated. I mean, he won the Julius Irving Award last year as the best small forward in college hoops. So that's a good place to start. All-American honorable mention, so on. He has the accolades. Even if he was a three-star when he came in, into college. I mean, he has overperformed since from Jump Street. But here's the rub on him. He was Villanova's closer last year and was assigned to guard one through four in college. And he was, by all accounts, a very good college defender. But people worry at the NBA, is he quick enough to stay in front of guards or does he have the size to handle an elite wing? You hear tweeners all the time. I don't think he's a true tweener, but people wonder if his defensive ability is going to translate at the wing level in the NBA. Um, how many people are, are locking up Kawhi Leonard right now? Who's slowing down LeBron James? Who's Ding up Kevin Durant? I mean, to say that you're worried about the ability to stop a wing in the NBA, yeah, it's because wings are the most athletic players. And if you're worried about a 20-year-old who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and might not be able to, to keep up with them athletically on defense, you don't need to do everything well. You need to be able to have at least one elite skill and hold your own everywhere else. That's what I think Bay is. He's long for his position. I think he can be a 2-3 this year, uh, some a guard wing alongside Ariza. The Pistons maybe move Sekou to the four role behind Blake. But interchangeable basketball is the name of the game now. And Sadiq Bay can do that. I'm a little, little worried that he's not super athletic. But, I, but like I said, you need an elite skill. And he has that in spades with his ability to shoot. And in today's NBA, where shooting is, is currency, the Pistons needed a sharpshooter. They got it. They got it. He's going to have the green light whenever he wants. He can fill it up. And while I expect him to, to struggle a little bit defensively at first, and I hope he can learn to create for himself a little more getting to the bucket, then, then he's gonna, he can be an awesome long-term sixth man if the Pistons ever get an elite all-star shooting guard, small forward combo when, when they're ready to compete again in a couple of years. I like it. I liked it. And last but not least is Sabin Lee, who the Pistons got at 38 for future considerations. And then they had to pick up Tony Bradley's contract from Utah, who is in the final year of his rookie deal, owed a little more than $3 million. But Lee, Lee is certainly the project of this draft. He is going to sign a two-way deal initially, which is going to make him inexpensive especially for a guy that Detroit theoretically had a first-round grade on. He was supposed to be, in, in Troy Weaver's mind, he was supposed to be a late 20s pick. So at 38, they felt he was, he was a steal. They had to make a move to get him. And once again, that's all because of upside, because he is not polished right now. He's not. He is a score-first point guard, and there's no way around that. He puts the ball on the deck, 
drives to the hole hard, and forces contact. I mean, he's no James Harden getting to the line, but he averaged six and a half free throws per game last year. And once again, what is the measurable that we have said with every single one of these players that Troy Weaver loves? The wingspan. Lee is six foot two and has a six nine wingspan. Co- combine that with his otherworldly athleticism. I mean, you hear people saying he looks like he's shot out of a cannon coming off these pick and rolls or when he gets going in transition. And that's a lot. That's you just need to get a little less raw and refine your game. You can start with athleticism and add skills. You can't start with skills and add athleticism. I think there's a time and a place for both. You can't just have a roster full of athletic freaks who are raw or who aren't are unpolished, but you can't have just a bunch of dudes who, oh, this guy is our shooter. Oh, this guy is our passer. Oh, this guy is our rebounder. You need people who can do everything. And that's what Lee can be if he gets to his upside. And the reason to think his shooting can improve is he was a 75% free throw shooter in college. That's on six and a half attempts a game. That's decent. That's, that's not nothing. So the hope is he can develop his shot, which was just 32% from three this year. But without a doubt, he is the project of this draft class. And now there's about $9 million roughly remaining in cap space. So the question is, what does that mean for Christian Wood? Tom Gores has said that he's willing to go over the cap as long as he's able to stay under the luxury tax. So, I mean, here's the rub. Here's the question. Are you really going to go over the luxury, or excuse me, over the cap for a team you are expecting to probably get another lottery pick next year? I mean, that's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. But when you consider that Blake Griffin is making $40 million a year and you didn't have almost anybody on the roster, you had to fill out these spots, it it was almost inevitable. And the only way you could get these young pieces is you pick up other people's salary. You have to take Trevor Ariza's salary. You have to take Tony Bradley's salary. You have to take Magruder's salary. I mean that. I mean this is this is a long term plan. These, all these guys only have one year left. So while it hamstrings the Pistons for this year, the goal is not to win this year. The goal is to develop players this year, and then once at once all these contracts expire the next year, and Blake Griffin comes off the books, then you can you can start actually trying to sign free agents. So overall, if I'm grading this draft, I mean, first, let's let's look at the other first-round picks that the Pistons have had since taking Tejon in 2002. Darko Milicic and Carlos Delfino. Jason Maxiel, Rodney Stuckey and Aaron Aflalo. DJ White. Austin Day. Brandon Knight. Andre Drummond. KCP. Stanley Johnson. Henry Ellenson. Luke Kennard, and last year, Sekou Demboya. Of all of those players, Andre Drummond is the only all-star. And we were 
clearly fed up with Andre. And I and I have been for years, and the Pistons finally were able to get rid of him last year. That's not exactly um, top-of-the-line drafting. The, the Pistons didn't – none of them became all-stars. None of them became even better than sixth men. Rodney Stuckey is the face of the of the blah vanilla Pistons. So you have to keep that in mind, and that is what the Pistons draft record has been prior to this. And now you get Weaver year one, gets rid of two contracts, picks up other people who only have one year deals left, gets four picks when he was expected to get one. And I mean, I mean, he he's he's doing this his way, and nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. If it was an exact science, anybody could do it. That's why there are bad franchises and why there are good franchises. Good franchises have plans. Bad franchises flounder and waffle around. Weaver had a plan, and he went after it. Everybody's saying aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. That was the word being thrown around. Piston circles yesterday and that's what he was so overall I think I would give this a B plus a very high respectable grade as far as the aggressiveness and the direction it's an A it, it, it's an A the so the fact that he knew what he wanted to do and is executing it I could not ask for any more the only reason I'm saying B plus is because Isaiah Stewart, it, that type of big just doesn't do it for me personally. I could be totally wrong, and I would not be happier. I'll, I couldn't be happier <laughs> if I was wrong. I would love to be wrong. I want to be wrong, and I want Isaiah Stewart to be the next big who develops into a great. I mean, he's never going to be Anthony Davis or Bam, but I mean, could he? Could he reach All Star games? Yeah. Could he be Andre Drummond's potential, what everyone thought Andre could be, when he would have those 20-20 nights? Yeah. It's just centers don't impact the game that much. However, that was the Pistons only had to give up a future first-rounder in that will probably come in three years in order to get that asset. And by then, you'll find out if he was worth it or not. So, and Lee, I'm also not sure about. He's raw. But there's upside. Of course, nothing in the mid-30s, in the middle of the second round, is ever a sure thing, as it is anywhere in the draft. But but I still would have liked somebody else. Like the, the guard, the second guard I was I was targeting, like I've said, was Tyrese Maxey. So the the direction, the plan, everything Weaver did is an A. Personally, it wasn't the perfect players in my estimation, so I'm going to give it a B plus overall. But for effort and for the fact that the Pistons are finally going to be out of purgatory, for that alone, honestly, I should give them an A. But I'm going to be a tough grader just because of what I just spelled out. So free agency doesn't start until tomorrow, and there's likely to be more movement, certainly across the NBA, but maybe even within the Pistons. Obviously, Christian Wood is the big question mark. And so, what what do you do with him? Can, can you get him? I think the Pistons are still considered the favorites to re-sign him. And 
ideally, it would be maybe three years, 45-ish million dollars with a team option for a fourth. I'm sure he and his agent would like a player option. Hopefully, that's not a sticking point. But $15 million a year seems to be right around the asking price for him. That would go over the cap. But with so much money coming off the books in the near future, I think Tom Gores can can pay a little bit of a tax for, for one year. And finally, after long last, the Pistons seem to have removed themselves from, from purgatory. It's over. They bit the bullet. They are clearly not going for the playoffs next year. They will likely move Derrick Rose, if not in the upcoming weeks, at the deadline. They are, I mean, Troy Weaver looked around, looked at his roster. It's probably a good thing that SVG wasn't within reach, or he probably would have slapped him for putting that together. And he's like, okay, no, 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 no. This ain't going to work. <laughs> this is not what's happening here. Uh, and then he went Donald Trump mode on The Apprentice. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Everyone's gone. Everyone's done. We're doing this my way. And honestly, I don't know if it's that it's 60 degrees in November, mid-November, so the, so the sun has me in a good mood. I don't know if it's that I'm just so happy the Pistons did something and actually went aggressive. But I'm kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel for three of our four Detroit sports teams. I mean, Steve Eiserman is the best GM in in hockey. I mean, he he was with the, with the Lightning. He helped them get a get a Stanley Cup, and they won it this year because of a lot of the moves he's made in in previous years. AJ Hinch, the Tigers' new manager, is the best manager in baseball. I can't wait to get into baseball once that season starts rolling around a little closer. And now the Pistons have direction. They have a plan. Nobody knows if any of these things are going to work, but at least it gives us something to root for, something to hope for, and something to talk about. And that's what I have been waiting on, as I'm sure we all have. So, A, B+, whatever you want to call it, I'm proud. I'm happy. And it's actually a good day to be a Pistons fan. So that feels good. That feels great. I'm really pumped. I'm really, really, really pumped. I think Killian Hayes is going to be the truth of all of these people. He is the one. My second most confident in, in how they develop as an NBA player is Sadiq Bey. Then I would go Stewart after that. And anything you get out of Lee is, is a bonus. But that's not going to come this year. Or next, for that matter. But that's going to do it on this Pistons episode of the Michigan State of Sports. Please, as always, rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts, it's there. So search for it, find it, like it, and and leave a review. Next week, we are going to continue to talk hoops, but we're moving over to the college ranks. We should have a guest or two on. That is still in the works, but, but I can't wait. Michigan State, Michigan, basketball, less than a week away. I mean, this is a huge juncture for both of those teams. Michigan has the top recruiting class coming in next year. Michigan State might overtake them if a couple of the 2022 
guys reclassified at 21. Neither of them are picked to win the Big Ten this year, but both could absolutely do it. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to preview. So we're going to get into that next week. Thank you for your time. I'll talk to you later, Michigan.